Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This week's guest on the Playmakers Playbook is the epitome of the revered Sydney Swans culture. In fact, as a star of the late 90s and early 2000s, he was a key in helping create that culture. Now, fittingly, he's helping develop the next generation of Swan stars, and you couldn't get a better bloke for the job. This is the Playmakers Playbook, brought to you by Build Corp, celebrating 30 years of continual learning and successful partnering. Hello, I'm Nick McArdle, host of the Playmakers Playbook. If you want to be a better leader in business, sport or the everyday, or if you simply just love a good story, this podcast is for you. Jared Crouch played 223 games for Sydney, making his debut in round seven of the 1998 AFL season. From game one, he became the poster boy for consistency and resilience, making a record 194 consecutive appearances in an uninterrupted run that stretched seven and a half years. Incredible. Nowadays, he's head coach of the Swans Academy. He's a Sydney Swans Hall of Famer and, of course, a premiership player. That one day in September 2005. Cox throws it onto the left. One last roll of the dice for the Well, that remains a highlight for all Swans fans. We can only imagine what it means to the men who were set a stage that day. Jared Crouch, welcome to the Playmakers Playbook. Yeah, good day, Nick. Thanks for having me. Look, it is a what a great moment. You know, it is uh, when we do do get together that 05 Premiership squad, and you do have Leo talking a lot about his mark. You have Mickey O just talking because that's what Mickey O does. And I just want to be able to talk about the fact that. Like every good back pocket player, I was front and centre to, to Leo as he as he rose up there. If he had done what he should have, sport it, would have come down to me and maybe the ball ended up in my arms. I certainly wouldn't have done what Leo, what Leo did that day and hand it back to the umpires. I would have made sure I stuck it straight <laughs> up my jumper. But what an iconic mark and I'm certainly uh, ecstatic that Leo did take that mark back uh, all those years ago. Do you ever take a, a moment, and it's incredible you say all those years ago, it's, yeah, it's 15 years ago now, but do you, do you ever take a, a moment to think about that day and afford yourself that little uh, bit of reminiscing? Look, you do, uh, you know, it's a lot of, not day-to-day life, but clearly when you, you, you do talk about it, you all get lots of, you know, tinglings, you know, down your back. You know, my, my kids have just started school. Um, they're now starting to learn about what dad used to do and they're happy to do it. And I'm happy for them to take my medal in and show it around and share it. It's, it's a, you know, it's a, something that I worked you know, very hard for a long time to achieve as part of a, a part of a team. And um, I, I 
you know, it's brought so much joy to so many people. I'm happy to, to talk about it um, when everyone brings it up. But, you know, a lot of day-to-day life now is, is uh, I guess, for me, trying to either bring the next generation um, through and, and hope we get lots, uh, lots more Sydney-based uh, boys and girls into the AFL and, you know, just being a dad. Well, that's, uh, that's what we're going to talk a lot about, what you're up to nowadays and, and the leadership that you're showing the game nowadays. But uh, you actually had one of your your best periods of footy of your entire career. During that, that final series, I think you were named player of that final series. It, uh, you know, it must have been nice to know that when it really counted, you brought out the best in yourself. Yeah, look, it's, you know, it is the, the Paul Roos medal, uh, which I think was the um, first time they ever presented it. It was that year, I guess it's, you know, we certainly know a lot about the 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 lack of premiership success for the South Melbourne Sydney Swans Football Club and, until that day. So, yeah, to, to win that award, which was awarded up, you know, from votes from the four finals that we did play is, you know, certainly something I am very proud of. You know, it is, though, you know, each week, you know, it's some you know, great opponents I come up and played against, uh, Matera over in West Coast, Milne at St Kilda, uh, and a host of players um, at Geelong um, that for that game and um, it wasn't material. Obviously he was injured for that grand final. I you know, started on Sampy before I got moved into the midfield on, on cousins and Judd. So, you know, it's a, I just, I was a nut, one of a number of players that just simply played their role on that day. And um, I guess uh, in the coaching, the, the coaching group eyes, I, I did it consistently on those four games. There's some players there that you, that you talk about and they are some of the biggest names in the game and you were so often given the job of closing down big names. I mean, you did a job on Jason Ackermanis over many years as well. Um, to have that thrown at you week in, week out, uh, that must have been uh, a test of mental strength as much as physical strength. Yeah, look, it was. Look, I guess for me, I mean, my... When I finally broke in, I had, uh, my first year in Sydney, I was injured. So and I was only 17, just turning 18. Um, you know, it was a bit of a moving away from home. You're, you're learning all about living away. In some ways, having an injury, I had a stress fracture in my foot, couldn't play. It was way, one, to put on weight. I come over as a you know, 70 kilo, pretty little fella. Um, put on 10 kilos in that year, and I sort of stayed at that weight for the rest of my career. Then to... Um, then to have a year of learning the game in the reserves before I finally debuted. I was just prepared to do whatever the coaches wanted me to do and my teammates expected me to play. And, um, you know, I was given all sorts of different tasks. Um, you know, they, I know you're constantly referred when your midfielder is your attacker, but one of my strengths was was my competitiveness and, and I was a really good defender and that's all I did. I played a small defender's role in the midfield. You talked about your competitiveness. Um, where was that born out of is that the fact that you you know you had to be seen or, or or had to sort of scrap your way amongst your your large group of brothers as well throughout your your childhood yeah absolutely i'm the i'm the eldest of four boys um i do talk a lot about probably getting fed at dinner time was more competitive and more physical than some games of football you know the you know four five boys who just love being outdoors playing sport um you know we were we we're like i mean grew up in adelaide dad worked um Dad worked incredibly hard. I'm the first generation not brought up on the land. So, uh, you know, he's a farming background, but you know, he, he had a, a, visage in his, a vision in his mind of how he wanted his, his um, boys and his family to live, and he worked incredibly long hours. He's an accountant. Um, you know, we're living in Adelaide, nice, you know, big backyards, plenty of space, and we'd turn the backyard into you know, a sporting ground with um, you know, whatever it might be, whatever we saw on TV, whether it be soccer, cricket, 
Um, it was a grass tennis court, so yeah, obviously tennis came out. But AFL was the or Australian rules uh, was the game we we loved the most. Um, we'd get we would get out the 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 tennis paint, um, which you'd obviously line the court. But we'd we'd uh, we'd turn the court into an AFL ground. So we'd put the little fifty meter you know, arcs. We'd put goal squares. We'd have a <laughs> center square. If we wanted to make it grand final day, we'd have sponsors logos. On this <laughs> we used to go and get um, you know some of mum's uh, brooms and, and mops and all these type of stuff or, or dad's rakes, whatever. And we'd get the old computer paper that was all stuck together and we'd make banners and we'd draw on there. We'd put our, our favourite jumpers on. Um, my, um, it was always a lot easier if a cousin or a mate was there. It meant that the sides were three on three and it was probably just one less thing to fight about because the fights would be on. And we'd just play for hours and hours. We'd commentate to ourselves. We'd you know, pretend to be those... Um, you know, the, the, the players we admired and we watched on TV and um, tried to emulate them and, and you know, just loved, you know, loved the game and, and, and loved playing the background. So that competitiveness, um, you know, I, you, you do reminisce and, I, and I, you know, you do reminisce a lot, but, you know, the, the support, the family support, the parents obviously drove us around everywhere to the games and the brothers just helping out there. They're, um, you know, I know how much enjoyment I got out of that grand final day but I certainly hope that they did as well yeah they were all there on that day weren't they just in terms of you know being a dad yourself now um do you take most of your leadership cues in a family sense from your father was he a huge influence on the way you conduct yourself today and and, uh, yeah. and what are those influences yeah yes um yes and and it is I mean I'm always, I'm a big firm believer, and it, and it comes a bit about school. I, I studied ancient history at school, and, and I loved it. And part of the reason I studied it was because the uh, the first eighteen coach was also the ancient history teacher. So you actually found that a lot of the footballers were in that were in that class. But the other thing about it that during those days, and I went to Ross Trevor College, they always topped the state in in ancient history. I, I'm someone who I don't. I don't believe a lot in that you need to make your own mistakes to learn in life. I, I believe you, you're constantly looking at other people and, and learning from um, what they've done. And you know, you can, and it is about looking at the, um, looking at what they've done. Well, I constantly talk to my players about, you know, who knows if Adolf Hitler had known about history, you know, the world would be a different place. If you had to learn off Napoleon that you don't attack Russia in the winter, those type of simple little things that can apply. So it is looking at, you know, that, that, hard work that dad um that dad had uh, he had instilled but i have a as a for a younger um for younger kids i have such a better relationship with my 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 three boys um than dad did at that stage i've got a great relationship with both my parents now and it's not to say i never did but you know the 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 real just day-to-day parenting i love i i i you know in some ways you talk about the challenges that we, we the world's facing you know to be able to spend just that small period where i was my wife was still working which was which was great but i was homeschooling the boys and to be able to get involved daily with how they learn how, how you educate them what are their strengths and weaknesses how, what do we do how do i need to come up with games to get them excited about english or maths or whatever it is to help them be better people is um you know, things you take from you know uh, relationships you had with, with parents um, but also, you know, taking what I learned as a coach and how and, and coaches I've had before about you know, how to be the best parent that I can be, and um, I, I, you know, it is the number one most important thing that I do is being a 
uh, is being a, a dad and, and being a, a, you know, role model. We like to throw that word around, but it's just being a, a great human so that they learn because, you know, you see so much at my boys are five, uh, seven, five and four. And you see how much they learn or they're influenced by everything in the environment, everything they come across. And um, it's important that we are, both my wife and I, are good humans so that, you know, we got three little good fellows that, that can come along. Ah, oh, so nicely said. Uh, exactly right. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Let's take it back to uh, to your footy for a moment. 223 games between 1996 and 2009. You were a first-round draft pick in the 1995 uh, AFL draft. Didn't make your debut until round seven in 1998. You talked about having to put on a bit of weight. There was a couple of injuries in there as well. Um, but then you played every game uh, for the rest of that season and you didn't miss a game in the next seven years. Um, what did that take? I mean, you must have played injured in that time. Yeah, 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 of course. Yeah. I guess the, there were never any injuries that um, wouldn't allow me to play my role. Um, but, you know, the... the you only got to go through the modern, any sports people, they're always carrying something. Um, look, it, it was discipline. I mean, there's a, a lot of things, and I spoke about the ancient history, you learn um, you learn so much about discipline. And you know, my, the first starting coach was, yeah, a lot of discipline we spoke about. And I came from a, my school in, in Adelaide was incredibly successful during that period. Like from, I was first aided in 94, 95, but from 1990 through to 96, I lost one game of football. And that was even taking on, it was obviously taking on all the best private schools in Adelaide and then taking on a couple of the really good ones in, in Melbourne as well. And, and we always come up on trumps. And a lot of that was around teamwork, it was discipline. Uh, we had very good players, don't get me wrong, but it was the, um, it was the, you're never as strong as your, your top players, you're as strong as the, the team and the, you know, your, your ability to get the best out of, out of everyone. And um, so there was, you know, always that installed in me. So I, I, I was very disciplined. It's part of the reason, very disciplined, very focused. And it's also the reason why, you know, I ended my first year, I met my wife in the first year, but it took me 12 years to um, finally marry her and then have kids later on because I was so, um, I put all my energy or majority of my energy into being the best footballer I could be. Um, you know, I left, left no stone unturned and I didn't feel as I could, I could be the parent I am now. Um, you know, maybe hindsight you could have, but, um, that focus was all on, you know, making sure that I, you know, my recovery was spot on, that I, that I could turn up. I trained as hard as I could so that I could be the best that I could be. Because, you know, I'm, it's, it's funny talking now, and even when I was in, when I was a bit more part of the, the senior program, you know, there can be this silly thing about height, but I'm 173 centimetres. They don't come much smaller than me. <laughs> I know I was fast, but, you know, the, the modern, what you see the modern midfielders now, are probably the Ruckman back in my day, and, you know, just the size and, and when you're, it is a physical game, and I had to play a physical style. When you're constantly getting beaten around, you can't um, you can't not look after your body because you've only got one. If you you don't look after it, you're not going to be able to play each week. And as I said, I, 
I, I like our game, but I much prefer playing it than I do watching it. Hmm. And it, all those things that you said about, you know, working hard and, and discipline and, and focus. And sometimes you hear people say, oh, you know, he, he got the most out of himself. And, and that can be taken sometimes as a, as a, almost like a veiled criticism that, ah, oh, the bloke wasn't that talented, um, but gee, he squeezed a lot out of himself. But in your case, clearly you had so much talent and so much, you mentioned your speed. But I would also say that you, on top of all of that natural talent, actually squeezed the most you possibly could out of yourself. Did that, did that sort of make it easier at the end of your career to know that you'd done your absolute utmost to make the most of the opportunity? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I don't have any um, – we, we'd all love to be the Tom Brady playing until we were 42, but I, I knew my body was done. I knew, I knew I squeezed every ounce out of it and I got the most out of me. And, and you do talk about – I talk about my players right now. You know, what a, you, know you do talk football legacy. I, I just want my – one, I, I see that as a compliment. I got absolutely everything out of myself. I, I see that all I want my teammates or the people I play with or people in the footy club is to respect the way I went about it. I do talk a lot about, even the players, it's a big thing. I'm not interested in whether you like me. There's a lot of people you like, but there's, there's, but do you actually trust them or respect them? Mm-hmm. And we all know we've got friends that I, occasionally you can't do it at the moment, but I want to go to the pub and just have a fun time with this person. But are you going to trust them with your kids? And that's, for me, that's the, I'd rather be the person that you trust. You can trust with that secret. You can trust with looking after someone than, than being this life of the party who's a bit all over the shop. So, um, you know, the reality of the world, and it's what I talk about, you know, um, you know, what I do as a coach and all that, we are all different. We don't all have the different layers, levels of talent, but that's okay. It's, it's about you just knowing that you've, you've got the most out of yourself and you, you've left no stone unturned. And um, it is a, it's a, for me, it's a, it's a great challenge to have as a coach um, especially with how the world has changed and how, um, you know, the, a massive sense of entitlement in a lot of kids. And they, we've lost that. I think we've lost that, that real um, hardworking, you've got to get rewarded for actually earning something rather than, oh, well, you show up and you just get given it. That's showing up's part of it. You've got to work a little bit harder than just showing up. Did you always understand that? I mean, that you know, there's... There's a wisdom in that uh, that probably comes with a few years on the clock. When do you when do you think you first understood um, the importance of of all of that? I mean, or, or, you know, you, did you used to skylark as a kid and only came to responsibility a bit later in your career? Uh, no, I, I do talk, and I, you know, I, because I'm involved in a lot of um, high end talent programs in AFL. I talk about it. I know that I'm different. I know that from an early age I was built different, and I and I had a different way of looking at things. I've learned. I'm such a better in terms of working, not working with other people, but I'm totally different now as a coach to what I was a player because I was so self-focused. I was self-focused as much as I was just trying to do my role with the team. But a lot of that stuff was rebelling against. you got to understand when I first got to Sydney, um, I was the first sort of professional players. Like there were a lot of players who weren't making any money. And the Swans also, you know, through the early 90s were, um, weren't successful. And, you know, I've come from this, this environment, which was all about success, not only when I played at school, but we, when all the school players went back to the Nord Football Club, success just flowed with that as well. So there was a bit of a rebelling about um, when I first came here about a lack of professionalism because you know they they were and I and I understand it, I understood it because 
they were just fighting for survival for such a for such a long period. But it was like, right, we've we've fought through that. Now, how about we we get to achieving what we're all here to achieve, and that's team success. And because that's the only for me, that's the only success that that only ever really matters. And that's that's just I don't know. That was just something I, I do remember at school being. Oh, you know, I can't sit here and say oh, even though I was the smallest, I wasn't one of the better players. I always was. But it was always interesting. You know, you'd have different intakes at different years, and then someone else would come in who'd be um, a good footballer. And I, you had a sense of feeling that everyone else was excited that maybe I'd and jump on their bandwagon that they maybe challenged me. That wasn't just football; that was athletics. And maybe for a, a little while they did, but and not that I saw that as a, a real. I've got to go out and beat that person. I just wanted to work hard and be as as good as I could be. And if that meant that I was first across the post, then great. If it wasn't then I, I needed to get home and, and work a little bit harder or, or do stuff. So it certainly, you know, that was ingrained or, or just talk about, you know, ingraining things. But it was just the the the, um, the learning experiences I had as a youngster that that um, built that into me. Built it into you, but maybe there was some of that in you as, as well. Yeah, yeah, it, absolutely. It, it seems like that. So, so the, the question is, though, in your role now, and you, you're seeing young kids come, well, yeah, kids of all ages come through the Swans Academy. Um, how do you coach that? I mean, it, to me, that seems like an uncoachable thing. It's a, that's an innate thing, that, that hunger for success. How do you do that? Can't. I reckon there's two things. I, I can, as I keep saying to the players, and we're, we're, we're lucky. I mean, there's myself and Nick Davis. And then because of different scenarios, we've also got, you know, unfortunately because uh, of cuts in other clubs, I've got Ty Keneally working with, for, with us. And I've got, you know, Nick Smith doing a little bit of work with us as well, just, you know, helping helping guys get through this period. What we have is, you know, in our academy, we've got over 800 games of AFL experience. We've got, um, you know, four premiership medals between us. We, we know. I can give you all the experience and I can keep, sh- keep sharing that knowledge with you, but ultimately I can't make anyone do anything. I, I can't. Because you've got to be got to be driven, and you've got to find um, you've got to find what motivates you and drives you. And it's you know things you've learned. And I, I do remember and I've heard Mickey O, Michael O'Loughlin talk about this thing as well. Um, and I do remember Paul Roos talking about it. You don't care what motivates you. You can be motivated by money to play this game. You can be motivated to be the best. You can be motivated by um, whatever it is. Doesn't matter what motivates you, but you've got to find that thing that motivates you, drives you, and then it's up to great coaches, leaders, whatever you want to talk about, to then bring that together to to allow to have that team success because you know team success success is all that matters in our sport. So um, yeah, there, I can keep, and that's why we talk about we you can't spend too much time on the talented kid who's just not motivated. Hmm. You can't. You you. you Talent only takes you a certain way, you know. You, and as I said, it's okay that we're all, we have different levels of talent. But what we're looking for as coaches, and you do, you find yourself a bit more of a, you know, psychologist, which I've got, you know, sort of no degree in psychology. But you do know what makes players tick. You do know what motivates you, or the good one, or the good coaches do. And it is okay if I can't motivate you, you don't want to turn up. That's fine, because I've got, you know, certainly in our environment, we've got another sixty players who do want that. Who do want that support and, and that want to want to be a sponge? So, um, yeah, the two things for me are you can't teach, can't you can't force or teach anyone. Sorry, not teach. You can give them roadmaps and find them motivates, but I can't make you do it. And that's um, their determination and it's hardness. 
do you get filthy when you see a kid who's clearly talented but hasn't got that uh, that intangible inside them, that hunger to, to do the work? You know what? I don't. I don't because that's that's life. You know, you can't you can't as I said, you can't force your will or force anything on any person. And I know, and I, and it's actually quite interesting. You do talk about the fact that I, I got everything out of myself. I know that I work in this space with other people who um, didn't get the most out of themselves and they acknowledge that and that they, they're the ones that get frustrated, but it's not. They're kids. They're, we're all different. We all, we all have um, our parent, parents and all or our life experiences um, invoke different things in us. So, yeah, Absolutely. I'll keep talking to them. I'll keep sharing knowledge and I'll keep telling them, I don't want you to have regrets later in life because I can see the talent. I can see things in you. Um, but it, it doesn't matter what I see. It's what they see. It's what, and uh, you all talk about it. It's what you see in the mirror every day. That's the only person um, that you, that's, for me, that's the only person you need to be accountable for, accountable to. Who, um, and you've talked about, um, you know, your dad uh, and what and what you took from him, the value of hard work. But throughout your playing career, who were some of the guys that you worked with and and uh, and were led by, who you regard as great leaders? And and when you're talking about them, why were they great leaders? Yeah, um, obviously talk about dad. I'll talk mum as well because mum mum spent a lot of time with five boys at home. Like fed, <laughs> fed you know, she she needs a medal. Um, I'm not going to say yeah, I'm not going to say she needs a medal or those type of things. I love my mum. <laughs> Uh, but but it, it, it's the family network and, it's, and you know we it doesn't matter what that dynamics is whether it's mum dad we had you know we'd have aunties and uncles come and help um, we'd have grandparents come and help it doesn't matter if it's and, you know my wife love her to death you know there she's a um, from a, a single mother um, and that's that's an incredible family dynamics as well it's just, it doesn't matter what the family dynamics is it's just how everyone works together um, to get things done but uh, look, my leaders, you know, the the people, you, um, and they're all got different characteristics. And I'm a, you know, you, obviously Rodney Eve when I first came over here, you know, I learnt a lot of, he masterful tactician, you know, learnt a lot about the game from him and, you know, the, the assistant coaches, Damien Drum, the honourable, I always say funny about that, honourable Damien Drum, now that he's in politics, but, you know, he was someone who, because back when I started, and talk about there was only Rodney and, and Drummy um, you know, Rodney was busy looking after the older ones. So then Drummy was running around, the only two full-time staff, running around looking after guys like myself, Ben Matthews, Paul Curia, who, as I said, were that first generation of, of semi-professional players and you know, doing extra skills with us during the week. Uh, in, in a leadership play, Paul Kelly, but he led led by example, you know, his hardness on the on the football field. And then Stewie Maxfield, you know, when, when um, Paul Ruse took over, you know, just the... You do talk about it. I'm a believer that, as I say, everybody is different. We all have different talents, different strengths. Um, and it is when you're put in positions that those those strengths come to the fore. I don't believe I don't believe you can make a leader who doesn't have um, traits in them, but that's okay. I think sometimes we get too caught up with everyone needs to be a leader. You know, the great, again, I come back to ancient history. Some of the great wars were won, one with great leaders, but you had the soldiers backing you. And you know, we, in modern society, we all want these fancy, nice words. Everyone needs to be a leader. Everyone needs, but it's actually okay to be a follower. 
there is nothing wrong with being a follower. And, and, and some of the players that I played with, um, you know, the Lewis Roberts Thompson, who's a two, two-time premiership medalist, he's not a, not a leader in the true sense of, of what we indigenous leader, but what a, what a follower, what a great player who played his role. Should have, we, are, we talk about it all the time, should have won two Norms, almost won two Norm Smith medals. Um, Paul Bevan, another great follower. And I love playing with Bevo. So we can get caught up. But Stewie Maxfield had those qualities in him, was put in that position by Paul Ruse. Again, another, you know, with, with the way um, Paul saw the game and he changed things and then led us. Some forgotten leaders, Matthew Nix, Andrew Shawble, um, Brad Seymour, who were all part of the initial Swans um, leadership group when we changed the, you know, the, the, the changing of the culture of the Swans. But because they were injured, Two years later in 05, I've forgotten about how great the leadership qualities they had. And, um, you know, they they displayed, you know, Stewie was his ability to um, uh, challenge his teammates. And that's what that's what brought out the best in everyone. And, and, and I, you know, I work with Nick Davis now and I, and I, I love working with Nick. We com- complement each other so well um, in so many different ways. But he was the one player that, you know, Stewie probably... You know, Stewie had to pull his hair out just trying to get him to um, to, to be the best, um, to see um, um, to see how important he was the team. And um, you know, it was lucky he played that last quarter against Geelong to get us to where we ended up getting. Um, but yeah, it's it's those type of qualities. They've got those qualities where they can challenge their teammates. It's as I've said, it's like versus respected. It's, I'm challenging. Not has nothing to do with I think you're a good bloke or not. It's that I, I need you to be part of this team and I need to get the most out of you because um, you're ultimately going to make us successful. Is the reason that uh, that you and Nick Davis uh, complement each other? He's a fair bit looser than than you are. Maybe, um, but he's not. But not anymore. We do talk about it. He understands professionalism so much better now as a as a player as a as a coach now uh, would have been a better player. And I actually can kick the ball properly now because I've got to think about it to teach the kids. So, you know, the talk, we both talk about, we probably should have won Brownlows each because we're such better, but you do, you learn off each other and you, you work each other. But that's, that's for me, you know, you talk to leaders, you know, I, and I'm the head coach of the academy. You know, Nick's one of my co. I, I want to surround myself with people who know more than me. I'm not afraid of that. And I reckon sometimes leaders of all different they get, they're worried about being challenged. You can't be, you gotta, you know, because there's things that I can do that Nick can't do and this thing and vice versa. But ultimately we get the most out of our players and, and allow them to be successful. And I think that's um, for me, and, and this is too often, and it's in, for me, I see it in sport and I see, I reckon it's in the corporate world as well. Too often some of your best players are given roles of leadership who don't have those qualities. Uh, but it's your ability to get the best out of other people um, that make um, that I that for me is what makes leaders the best. And sometimes that's not your best player. Sometimes that maybe not your, your the person who earns you the most money in your corporation. But what that person does, he allows everybody else to make more money. I'm a I'm a massive New England Patriots fan in the states, and and I I, I would love nothing more than to spend some time with Bill Belichick because I reckon. I, you hear, and, and I talk about it, people go, oh, you're a Patriots fan because of the last couple of years and they won the Super Bowls. But I've, I, I, there's no doubt in my mind, in early 2000s when they won that first lot of three, 
I kept hearing Tom Brady and Bill Belichick talk, and they've just won Super Bowls. Tom Brady's this MVP in an American world, and we know how big and brash Americans can be, but all he wanted to do was talk about his teammates, how they allowed him to achieve that. And Bill always talked about that. And I have no doubt there's a subconscious for me back in that day when we hadn't quite had success before Paul had taken over was I could see that and I wanted to be part of that. And, and I've been so fortunate that I was in 05, but um, you constantly hear those people talk about it. And, and I'm a, as I said, I'm a Patriots fan. The New, New York Giants have just... Um, they just hired a new guy. Come out of nowhere, they say. Joe Judge, who was a special team coach for the Patriots. And the New York Giants have broke my heart twice because they beat us in the perfect season with the Patriots and another and, and beat us in another Super Bowl. I want the New York, New England, uh, New York Giants to be successful because if you've he's only just taken over. You listen to him and he gives a little bit more in the press than the great man Bill gives. But he talks about it. He goes, well, my role as a coach is to put all our players in positions to be successful. It's not about too often you talk about what people can't do. Have a think as a leader what they can do and put them in that position to be successful. Um, he's not afraid. He hired um, Jason Garrett, who was the former head coach of the Dallas Cowboys. He hired Freddie Kitchens, who was the former head coach of, of the Cleveland Browns. He's surrounding himself with people of more experience, more knowledge. And I, I want him to be successful when they keep talking him not to be. Because for me, that's leadership. That's... It's the your ability to get the most out of everybody. And, you know, it's, it's not necessarily having to be the best person. Um, and that's, you know, I've always oh, I've spent time challenging um, lots of different people on that about what leadership really looks. But for me, that's what it is. It's about the ability. And in this, time, in this climate, what we're at, the, the leaders who get the best out of people in, in these challenging times are going to be the businesses, the sporting teams that are most successful in my eyes. Yeah, it's um, and woven into all of that discussion is culture as well, isn't it? Yeah. You know, to to be a great leader, you're not only you're not only fostering uh, playing talent or 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 in your work environment, business talent. You're also fostering the right environment, the right culture. Absolutely, you know, culture is incredibly important. But what you can't, for me, what you can't do is your culture can't can't be the only thing that defines your leaders. And I reckon for a lot of, a lot of places that do, you know, the, the culture leadership, that's where they get it wrong. They go, because I've, I've mentioned those guys, we talk about our culture, Lewis Roberts, Thompson, Paul Bevan, they not won't speak more highly of two guys. They did everything that our culture stood for, but they weren't leaders, but that's okay. That's okay. But too often, and sometimes when you have too much of a, too strong a culture in my that you sometimes knock off um, natural leadership because everyone wants to conform. Everything, everyone wants to be. You can't. Soldiers are incredibly important. You do need. You do need leaders because it, sometimes in the heat of battle, you've just. You might have to go a little bit out of the game plan to 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 turn to turn things. I look at Luke Hodge and I think he's one of the modern day great leaders because he always had that ability to impose himself on a game when it needed to be, even at the end when he was, you know, at Brisbane, he just knew how to put himself in the right place. But it doesn't, I don't think that's cultural. Cultural is about how you get to being in those situations to be successful. And then you, then during the heat of battle in a game, you need your natural leaders to, to stand up. So are you saying that um, it, with, with a culture that's almost too strong, it, um, it, it uh, discourages players yeah. from, 
being themselves and, yep. and that, to, that they need to conform and that's not always a good thing. No, absolutely. That's exactly what I'm saying because you do, because it can be, as I said, you, we're all different. You all bring something different to the table, all right? There, you know, the, you need sometimes someone, someone you know, sometimes culture is around discipline, but at times you need that person to kick that snap goal from the boundary, which actually goes against what you stand for. You actually, nine times out of 10, you need to centre that ball and play the percentages, but you need that. For me, you need that moment of natural flair where someone, right, I just need to impose myself in and, and, and kick that goal. Or I actually might need to give a free kick away here. I actually just need to make a stand. I'm not going to do anything stupid to hurt someone, but I'm just going to have a physical presence on the field that my teammates are just going to get inspired. And it may actually cost us a free kick, may cost us a goal, but you need to do that, which sometimes goes out of line or, for me, you know, what gets preached a lot in in cultures and how you how, you know that strong culture because if you get strong culture and you get you just get robots and everyone's mm. the same and then you but the world's different things change you know that's the it's a lot about again talk about you know coaching philosophy what nick nick and i try and do we're going to teach the fundamentals of the game we're going to be able to get kids who hold the ball properly to kick it properly and, and hamper and mark it properly because ultimately if you can't do that it doesn't matter what else you do and we're, we're doing it in, in an environment where um we have you know, 85 to 90% of our kids, of our athletes that are in our program from under 11s to 19s, parents have never played our game. So I don't have generational knowledge. So what we need to do is we need to get those fundamentals right. And then all we try and do is play games. We try, and that, it's not a typical game of football. It's, it's games in sense of, of decision-making because too many kids want, what do I do in this situation? Well, what do you think you do? I'm just going to put you in situations. You mark the ball cleanly. You can handball the ball cleanly. You can kick the ball cleanly. Just make the right decision. What is the right decision? Well, if he's standing on his own, he's only 10 metres away, give him the ball. Don't keep trying to look down further down the field. We go, I can kick the ball 50 metres. I'm going to kick it to uh, two players that are uh, that are one-on-one. So it's it's about um, making those decisions. So you're, you're, you're going to teach the fundamentals, but then – the, there's nothing in the game which is identical all the time. You've got to make decisions. And that's sometimes where I I, I get I challenge that for me that, that cultural thing. If you, you want everything black and white, then you're gonna cha- then you're gonna struggle at times because there's sometimes grey or there's sometimes where you need to be a bit red to get things, change momentum, change things to get the game going your way. So maintain some some instinct. Yeah, absolutely. I watched a video uh, about uh, retirement and, and transition post career, and you were discussing with um, former Newcastle Knight Alex McKinnon, and talking about that that transition piece. Does the game need to provide more leadership and guidance around retiring players? Um, yes, yeah, it's one of those it's one of those interesting things. I mean we we keep looking at um, we keep looking at sporting on our games to provide stuff. Yeah, of course they do. Um, but ultimately, there can be all these programs in place. But if you, as an athlete, go and, don't go and go and do them, then you know who's at fault. I mean, it comes down to yes, they, as long as they're providing opportunities, then then absolutely. Um, again, I, I talk about the importance of family or the importance of having, and, and family can be friends. It's about having quality people around you that make that transition. I was so lucky to be able to. One, it was my call. Or, you know, 
I knew that I was done. I knew I was probably hanging on the last couple of years and then um, I happily talk about it. It's probably hung on a year because that's what the contract says because if I if I finish up a year early, they go, well, I'm not getting any money. Well, hmm. you get the extended contract because you had the really good years in that premiership years. You don't, you, know, you don't get to be the best player of the final series and all of a sudden, well, there's a truckload of cash. What you get is you get an extended contract. So you, you play that contract out and then you... I'm actually done. My body's done. I'm, I'm happy with that. And, and that family support to be able to make those decisions in the transition. I I had no, certainly as a player, I didn't see myself as a coach. And as I said, probably because of the type of person I was as a player, but I'm, I'm and I don't know why exactly, but I'm just, other than the fact that I, I never lose sight of that I'm a player as a coach, you know, we make mistakes. The game, all the game is built around mistakes. I'm not, I'm not worrying about mistakes. I see the challenge of someone making a mistake is, well, have I taught them the right way? I, I did a little bit of primary school teaching and, I, and I studied to be a primary school teacher. I, and the only, you know, be honest, the only thing I remember is that we all learn differently. You know, some people are going to learn from visually. Some people learn from writing it down. Some people learn you actually got to put them in place. If someone's not doing something on the football field, it's not that... Um, they're not listening, they're disobeying me. It's that I haven't learned how to teach them properly. Mm. And that's what I I love about that challenge of coaching to find, to try and when you talk about the potential in players, um, have I taught them? And if, and if I've gone through every facet of how to teach them and they don't want really to do it, well, that's that's fine. Um, but, you know, is, if someone who wants to do it, they're not quite getting there, well, what's the challenge? What haven't I done? What haven't I unlocked? What do I got to go on? What do I got to keep learning as a coach to then be able to, um, you know, educate my athletes, you know, that, that they do. So, um, so yeah, that's what I you know, love about that challenge. And, and, you know, you do talk about, I didn't have any idea what I was going to do when I finished. Um, I did a little bit of media for a year. My wife and I traveled and then it was only that a phone call said, Oh, do you want to come and do a little bit of part-time coaching? Oh yeah. That sure. Come around and see what, see what happens. And here I am coaching the, coaching the academy and loving it well and and in doing that i guess you are uh, a custodian of of one of the pathways at least into um into the swans and and a custodian in a sense of the swans future so interested to know where or where you think they're at at the moment so 2005 premiership uh seven years later 2012 premiership um and afl is cyclical so there's a a rebuild has been going on uh, what do you make of uh, how they're travelling and, and where they're at at the moment? Yeah, look, oh, it's a tough one. You, you know, you're still inside. I'm not inside the walls exactly at the moment because I'm I'm outside the bubble, but you're still part of it. And yeah, um, look, I think I've been excited to see the youngsters coming through. Um, you know, some of those youngsters, have, you know, we've we've helped them uh, help get there. You know, the Nick Blakeys, the Isaac Heaney's, Sam Wicks, who uh, debuted recently. Um, you know, there's a I, I do, and I. My passion for certainly football in New South Wales is I come across, grew up in Adelaide, come across here and I, and I was doing this primary school teaching at uni. One of the guys I was going to uni with, he was doing his placement at the, um, at the King's School. And this is, you're talking mid-90s, late-90s, you know, 96, 97. And he goes, look, mate, can you come out and I just want you to help my kickers kick the ball. Oh, yeah, sure. I can come and help you do that. Two years it took before the principal let me through the doors. I'm, I'm trying to make their rugby team better, but because I'm, I've got this Australian rules AFL background, I'm like, I can't have that. I can't have these people in our school. <laughs> and I just couldn't understand because where I grew up in my, my school in Adelaide, 
we had rugby. Now it wasn't the most, it wasn't we had rugby, we had soccer, we had um, AFL, we had you had choice. And how can you be paying this much money going to these private schools and not be allowed choice? I never understood that. So you know that became a passion to try and help educate kids in New South Wales about about playing. So um, so I, I got there and and, you, and and worked hard and you come into this environment. I just keep trying to. Um, educate players. And even when I was a reserves coach, coming back to the original question, I get so much enjoyment out of seeing as much as we won games in the reserves, that was fun. Nothing better than being in the room when someone gets told they're making their, their debut. You know, being part of that moment, you know, seeing these kids, seeing the kids now execute a play that we worked on. So I look at the Swans, I'm excited about all our youngsters. I take pride in, in what we've we've had um, had come through. I, you know, there's as much as I've been here 20 years, my kids are sort of New South Welshmen. I do get excited that we added a couple of South Australians um, to the to the side and uh, young Stevens, Gould, these type of um, kids that have debuted. Um, you know, from 96 through to, what was it, two years ago, we missed the finals twice. There's this generation of Swans fans who just thought that success, success just happened. We just rock up and play in the finals, yet we have a salary cap, we have tri- um drafts we had to make it that we bucked the system for way too long and the fact that we're down the bottom well and all these people going oh we can't have this one. that's that's what richmond that's what hawthorne hawthorne had won their flag and then bottomed out again got ruffled then they came up and you know that's just what the, that's what the nature of the business wants because they want to give they want to give all fans a chance to be at the top and, and fans to be at the bottom so you know in my 25 years time here it's a little bit tough but geez not the end of the world. We've got great kids. We'll be, we'll, we'll come out fighting. We'll be fine. Excellent. And, uh, and good for all Swans fans to hear exactly that. Jared, so good to catch up, mate. Um, you're doing great things with that program. Really appreciate you joining me on uh, the Playmakers Playbook. No worries. Thanks, Nick. Jared Crouch on the Playmakers Playbook. Hard to think of a player in any sport who's squeezed more out of themselves than that bloke. And now trying to make the next generation understand the benefits of doing exactly that. The Playmakers Playbook is brought to you by BuildCorp, where great teams are built on shared values. It's available wherever you get your favourite podcasts, including iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Deezer. Make sure you subscribe so you'll never miss an episode. And as always, if you like what you've heard today, give us a five-star rating or simply tell a friend. I look forward to your company next week on the Playmakers Playbook. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm. <laughs> 